When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, the owner of Meraki Media Management. The End in Mind is a place where we come to share stories, tips, and strategies of many entrepreneurs, creatives, business owners, and just some people that aren't willing to live the traditional lifestyle. We talk about how to live outside of the box today and how to incorporate what really is important in your life to keep that end goal always in mind. Again, if you would like to reach out to me in any type of way, you can find me on Instagram at Meraki underscore media underscore management. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks so much and enjoy our show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the End in Mind podcast. I'm so excited to share with you all our new guest that we have on today. Her name is Kim. Kim and I have known each other for a really long time now. I want to say like almost three years, which is so funny. It feels like it's been longer, but also shorter with the time gap of your time warp of COVID year. But I'm just so happy to have you on. Thanks so much for being here, Kim. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. When you asked me to be on the podcast, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, Kayla, let's be on our podcast. Yes. Yay. Oh, I'm so happy. Like we have the best conversations and that's really what I was hoping that we could share with our listeners today and just kind of share like what it's like as being a mompreneur and also just the everyday entrepreneur, the questions we get asked, the bogged down moments of life, but then also the light at the end of the tunnel, which is normally us helping our clients navigate these differences. And I really just feel like that is the arc of our conversation every time we chat. So I was so excited to have you on today. Yeah, well, I think you just said it all. So that concludes this episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. Bye guys. See you next week. Um, but Kim, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, and just kind of give us like an overview of what you do and how you kind of got into this entrepreneurship game and kind of take us back to the beginning. Yeah. So um, I never, first of all, thought I would be an entrepreneur. I wasn't a kid who grew up like loving having lemonade stands and thinking of all of these innovative ways to make money as a kid. I grew up playing school 24 seven. That's all I ever wanted to do. I just always wanted to be a teacher growing up. And six years into my teaching career, I hit the burnout phase and I left and that was devastating. So went through therapy that wasn't a very great experience then started working with a life coach and that was really where the magic happened for me and being able to move past the childhood trauma and the domestic violence that i experienced as a teenager and since i had such a huge growth a huge transformation in just eight sessions three months of life coaching instead of a year and a half of therapy i was like oh my gosh i have to be a life coach and in between that i was in direct sales and i loved the direct sales because it was um an empowerment company that really focused on women's health, their sexual health, their mental health, their emotional health. And so that was, that's so important to me. 
but I just didn't feel aligned going to the parties every weekend because I was missing time with my kids and my husband. And I had that same struggle as a teacher, missing that time. So like if there wasn't a substitute cover to cover my class, I had to have my mom get my kids from school and they were sick. And as a mom, that's devastating because you just want to be the one to be there for your kids. So I was like, okay, this isn't really working. I'm not really feeling aligned with this whole like model of earning an income. I was good at it. I made really good money when I had a party, um, but I just didn't want to be tied to parties all weekend long. And so I really thought, okay, my husband's work schedule is insane and I need to be available for my kids and nine to five isn't going to cut it. This weekend partying thing isn't cutting it. And I really feel like I'm not making the impact that I want to make. And so I was like this no brainer of like, oh yeah, duh, Kim, you are supposed to help, you know, people with trauma. So it initially started off that I was going to be a domestic violence speaker in high schools and on college campuses. But again, there's a lot of traveling associated with that. So that didn't really work out so well with being available for my family, which was the whole goal. And so um, I did it, created an after school program so I could stay local. And um, I had people who were looking for life coaching and getting amazing results. So it just kind of happened organically that I became a life coach and solopreneur with the business that I have. Totally. Oh my gosh, it's great how it like organically flowed from one thing to another. And I love that you kind of started out your story like that too. It's like sometimes those lowest moments, like hitting rock bottom as you're teaching, end up setting us up for some of the highest moments. And then especially with you having to navigate your trauma experience, after all of that, it's like you throw the breakdown on top of it and then you add all this other crap that we have to unload, you know? The everyday story of the entrepreneur because it blows up in your face, whether it's before you start or after, you know? Yes, and I wasn't prepared for the train wreck of therapy. I really just went there thinking that she was gonna be like, yes, Kim, you're having an identity crisis and here are the three easy ways that you fix it. I had no idea what direction it was gonna propel me into, not just with life coaching, but also with holistic things too. So using Reiki to get through some of the trauma, turning to crystal energy, crystal grid healing. like So I didn't know anything about any of those things before therapy, before leaving my teaching career. So it was really a journey of rediscovering myself in a way that I didn't even know would be possible for me to exist, um, but also just opening my eyes to so many opportunities that I would have never had or even known about had I stayed and suffered through the burnout and the misery of being a public school teacher. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's amazing to hear that, hear you say that though, because this is like now what you do and it's such a big part of your life and your children's lives, you know, like the trajectory that you've taken is really for them and for you and for your entire family. And I admire that so much because that was one of my driving factors too. And as you go on, that factor can change. Like how you said you at times where maybe trajectoried into another direction and you really have to get back to what do you actually want, you know, and what's really important. Yes, definitely being aligned to the values because when I was in my teaching career and when I was in the direct sales 
Um, it was really like external validation that I was see seeking. And so I value contributing as, you know, to community. I value that very much. So I, I value growing as a person, but those opportunities really didn't allow me to grow as much as I could have if I had stayed. And so, um, and they weren't a hundred percent aligned to my values either. And so that was the other piece of the puzzle it was like, I was living and doing these things, not necessarily for the right reasons. That's so interesting. Yeah. And that you're able to see that now, you know, like clearly yeah. admit it. Like we all know how hard it is to get to that point. And a lot of our listeners are probably exactly in that same place of where you were, where you feel like you're getting partially of what you need, you know, from that career, from that relationship, from that whatever, you know, you may be going through working out even like all these things yeah. partially give you what you need. And then you end up realizing in the end, like, well, maybe me working out every day has become a little bit psychotic. You know, it's like too far with the working out because this happened with me as well. I, which I've shared before, I would become obsessive over things that were giving me some type of validation that I enjoyed. So it was like, I would, like literally throw myself so much into my work and then completely ignore like basic needs, you know, of like self-care, yes. brushing my hair, yes. you know, like the smallest things, but because we become obsessed, which I think again is out of both of us experiencing childhood trauma and not feeling, you know, yes. seen like maybe a little bit dismissed, you know, in portions of our yeah. childhood. Absolutely. It's funny because there were times in my direct sales career and even in my teaching career, like when I was a teacher, I can remember for an entire school year, I did not do any doctor's appointments for myself. So no dental appointment, no yearly physical, no um, like yearly OBGYN appointment, like none of those things because I was so worried about a substitute being in my classroom and it not running the way that I wanted it to run for one day. And I didn't even have to take a whole day. I could have taken a half a day of personal time, but I <laughs> couldn't even relinquish for a half a day to take care of myself because I was so focused on the control within that environment that I had as in my classroom, which then met all these needs on a very surface level way, but it it met the needs that I didn't have met as child in childhood trauma and domestic violence. So it was like, I was using these things as vehicles, meeting needs in all the wrong ways for all the wrong reasons and didn't know it. And then couldn't figure out why I was miserable and angry and resentful. Totally. Oh my gosh. I feel that like, that's exactly how I was. You know, I was angry at every little thing that wouldn't feel like it was the outcome that I expected, you know, and that goes for like relationships or any type of these things. And it would just trigger me out the wazoo instead of me being able to really take a deep breath and like calm down in the moment and like realize everything would be fine. And did it yeah. like, tell us more about your experience as you did start to relinquish some of that control or did it really just take the breakdown of needing to exit for you to kind of like, you know, unpack some of those beliefs that were like intertwined with the control? Oh, it took the breakdown because honestly, I would have not left my teaching career. I would still be teaching, but my husband basically said, you are not going back next year. And so I ugly face cried handing in my letter of resignation at the end of the school year. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, because my husband's like, you're miserable and we can't keep living like this. So I would probably be divorced and still teaching if I did not put in my resignation. And, and that was at the end of the 2014, 2013, 2014 school year. So it's been eight years since I left my teaching career. But no, I had no idea that I was like needing this control. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I didn't know that I subconsciously, I probably knew it was like, I couldn't relinquish the control. I just didn't subconsciously didn't know why, yeah. but mentally I was like, Oh, I, I, my classroom, I run a tight ship and this is how it has to be. And if it's not like this and the kids aren't learning, and then it's going to come back on me with a bad evaluation at the end of the school year. And then I can get a note in my file and then I could get it on probation. And I don't want to be a teacher on probate. This crazy thought loop that was the farthest thing from the truth so it actually took the breakdown. It took me going through a year and a half of therapy. It took me going through three months of life coaching. Well, no, I would say probably the first weekend seminar that I did was I did a, a weekend intensive seminar with, with the life coach. Then I actually started like my eight sessions of coaching. And it was actually in that seminar where I was like, oh, it all makes sense sense now. Like I was overvaluing certainty, which is another word for safety and comfort. And I could not handle any uncertainty, which is another word for variety. <laughs> so I am a person when the, you know, what hits the fan, I need certainty and then I need significance. And so when I was in that mode, it was very stressful. And yeah. so I was living in that mode of like, I need significance, I need certainty, and I will do whatever it takes to get those two things, regardless of what I'm sacrificing and what I'm losing out on, I will do those. So yeah, so I didn't know, I didn't know until life coaching why I did what I did, had no idea. My gosh. And it's so true because I feel the same way about like therapy was just where it happened to hap like play out for me, you know, where I started untangling this web and it was like, oh shit, like I'm corrupting everything. <laughs> it's not everyone else, you know, because our brains like, which is again, like a, a coping mechanism because of what we've been through. Yes to write yep. these stories, to take it down the rabbit hole. And like one of my coaches right now, she'll always say to me, like, stop the stories, like cut the bullshit. Like literally she'll be yes. like out of everyone else's heads. No one else is thinking like you, you know, everybody has their own thought process. And that was like, so rewarding, but also freeing, you know, it's like, oh my God, this yes. shit I've been telling myself from the beginning isn't true. You know, like finally I can breathe from all of this past crap that we've been carrying for so long. Yes. And here's the thing with stories. The more we tell the stories, because I have my own crazy stories. And so it's like, the more we tell these stories to ourselves, the more attached we become to them. And then we start shifting them into our identity. So it's the story of, oh, I'm a failure because I left my teaching career after six years. I'm a failure as a mom because I'm not always patient with my kids. I'm a failure as an entrepreneur because I didn't hit my goal, my, my revenue goal this month. Did you hit it last month? Yes, but I didn't hit it this month. So that must mean I'm a failure. So it's like the more we tell ourselves these stories about failing or whatever it is that we're telling our stories about, then it becomes our identity. So then we start saying to everyone, I'm a failure. Yeah. or I'm anxious, or I'm this, or I, I'm a procrastinator. That's one, a common one that people say is I'm such a procrastinator. No, you're not a procrastinator. You run a pattern of procrastination because that pattern is keeping you safe and it's keeping you, it's like 
it's working for you in your favor, you think, but it's really not. So you're not a procrastinator, you're running a pattern. You're not a failure, you're running a pattern of failing. And flipping the switch on what it means to be a failure. Like failing, I used to think failing was like the worst thing ever, but it's actually not. It gives you an opportunity to learn. So, So just totally flipping the script on the story and the labels and all of that is huge, huge. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. Like even just that little nugget of kind of redirecting the stories and being able to look at yourself in a mirror through the stories, because what we talk about a lot, I'm sure you've like, you know, heard me even share this with you, like as we're on calls just throughout the podcast are these patterns. Like this is the pattern of the podcast and we're just constantly talking about patterns. And I love it because now it's made me become aware. Like when I see one thing repeat, it's like, oh, is that a pattern? Like maybe I need to tap Mm -hmm. into that. Um, And it can be something small, like maybe I'm ignoring a to-do on my calendar. You know, it's like something that I pushed off like for two weeks or something. It's like very weird. Mm -hmm. The more you can kind of let go of the stress around identifying the pattern, like not being so hard on yourself. Like, why do we have to take it on? Like we're procrastinating. If we push off a task for two weeks, we might just not want to do it. You know, it's not the end of the world. Like there's plenty of shit we don't want to do, you know? Right. And so, and tapping into that. So like, why is it that you don't want to do it? Is it like a fear of rejection? Is it a fear of criticism? Is it a fear of failing? Is it a fear of not being enough? Like there's some reason. So the putting things off, like putting something off for two weeks, it's probably not the first time that that that's been done. And so there is a pattern there and there's a reason for that pattern to be run because everything is a pattern. So like even out in mother nature, everything is a pattern. Seasons are a pattern day and night is a pattern. The way that pine pine cones grow is a pattern. The way that pineapples grow, everything is a pattern, everything. And when we are running patterns that aren't like in nature, especially, I'm not humans, but like in nature, when there are patterns that are done, that's not allowing something to grow and contribute to the ecosystem, they become extinct. So it shows you like, not all patterns are good, And so we're serving. And so it's like tapping into, is this pattern really helping you to move forward? Or is this pattern really holding you back? And if it's holding you back, what is it holding you back from? And why are you allowing that to happen? Like, what's the meaning you're attaching to it? That's so amazing. I love how you gave the nature analogy because that like really resonates with me um, and makes a lot of sense. You know, like I think these thoughts and the things that we're talking about, it can come be- become very complex for any. Yes you know, to break down. Like, I remember when I first got into therapy, I was like, wait, it's this complex. Like I need a break, you know, like taking a break from this podcast is probably needed by the listeners. You know, it's like gets heavy (laughs) up in here at times. And I feel that analogy just makes it so simple. And it's like, oh, well, duh, you know, like why shouldn't we change if nature changes too? Like we all have to adapt. We all have to grow. Mm -hmm. And I love how you said like the looping pattern can really be what's stopping you from growing. Because for me, we actually just put out an episode a few weeks ago about looping thoughts. And I was like breaking down a TV show where you could very clearly see that these CEOs were 
so infecting like one another, you know, with their looping thoughts and their beliefs that they weren't talking about. And for Mm -hmm. me, like as watching it, it's like, duh, you know, like once you go through therapy or like this trauma healing, it's easy to identify. But also when it's within yourself, it can be difficult to change too, because you're not taking that observer view, like, can you tell or explain to people how that observer comes about? And is it really through coaching and like being able to step back and take a look at yourself? Or are there things that they may be able to do now, like in a healthy way to become more observed? So I think it's hard for, um, to take that observer role because we're very comfortable with the way things are currently, even if they're not serving us. So I was very comfortable being miserable in my teaching career, even though it wasn't serving me because I didn't know what life would be like outside of that. There was way too many unknown variables and factors. I just could not wrap my brain around what life would look like as a stay-at-home mom or taking the year off of teaching to go find a job at another school to give myself that one-year break. I just couldn't visualize it. I couldn't feel it. I couldn't see it. I just mentally, I could not process it. So I was willing to stay in that not great environment because that was easier. That was safe. I knew that. So I think that's at times it's hard to step into that observer's role because then it's like, okay, if I really take a step back and look at this, honestly, I might not be able to unsee what I see. Yeah. And then I have to move forward And A, it can be overwhelming with moving forward. It can be overwhelming with understanding what's seen. Yeah, so it's just easier to let sleeping dogs sleep than it is to to wake them, you know? So I think that's what causes hesitation. It's like, who, who wants to turn that stone over and see what's under there? Like, it's better just to leave that stone unturned. So really it boils down to is actually starting to pay attention to like, when, what is triggering you? So is there something triggering you? So when I was at, you know, teaching or even with direct sales, if I felt like something I had planned a lesson and it didn't go quite right, or I had planned for a party to happen on a certain day and it got canceled or the hostess was like, I need to move it back to hours. That was so just overwhelming for me because I'm like, no, I, I had it planned just like this. And now there's that lack of control. There was too much uncertainty because then I started thinking other thoughts like, oh, you know, this is going to be the lesson that I'm an unannounced observation for, or the hostess is going to cancel on me as I'm halfway to her house. And it was an hour drive. And so it just creates these feelings. So then all these meanings start coming up. So it's like something happens and then we create a meaning around it. And that meaning creates our emotions. So then we either become frustrated, upset, scared, annoyed, overwhelmed, whatever the case may be. And that influences the story that we tell. It influences how we respond. And then that leads to it, the result. Yeah. And so when that pattern happens over and over again, we can get stuck in how to break it. So the first thing is, it's like when something is triggering you, check the meaning is like, is it a hundred percent true that this hostess is going to cancel on me? Nope. Is it a hundred percent true that this is going to be an unannounced observation day? Nope. Okay. So now what emotional state can I have now? What feelings like, okay, there could still be some um, uneasiness there. Okay. So 
how can I work through this uneasiness? Okay, great. So now this is the action that I can take. This is the result that I get. So it's really about breaking down the whole thought process behind what's yeah. going on to see if you're telling you're giving yourself even the right meaning around the situation. Totally. That makes so much sense. And like, I, I'm going to say this and of course, correct me if I'm wrong. Like for me, my patterns of thought, I feel like are out of situations when I was very young where the plans or the trajectory of the plans would drastically change, you know, like at a drop of the hat because so-and-so couldn't make it or my mom and dad got in a fight and now we're not going to go to the party because then they're going to fight the whole time. Or even if we do go to the party, then they're going to fight the whole time while they're at the party. And all I can think about is driving home with them fighting all night, (laughs) you know, like so funny, like these small increments when you're a child, they heavily impact you. And then that's the way you think that things will happen just naturally. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, most patterns are learned in childhood, intentionally or unintentionally, but that's when most patterns are learned because that's when we're little and up until the age of seven, I'm like, we're really, I mean, even into our late teens, we're still sponges, but in those very early years, they're so formative with us understanding and learning our environment learning about being cared for, understanding expectations, all of those things. So it's such a pivotal formative time of life. And so that's where we learn those patterns in early childhood and we bring them with us, not knowing that um, they might've served us them when we were little, but they don't necessarily serve us now, but because we're so used to them, they're almost second nature to us. And so we just bring them along in our baggage, not knowing that we actually have a choice and can change them. Yeah. And it's so sad, you know, like I'm sure with the work you do, it's, challenging like I always feel so bad for like you know even friends or loved ones like this isn't even like people that I'm coaching it's like literal family members that you can see that are struggling with something that they've been carrying for Mm -hmm. so long you know like and it's been difficult for me recently and I'll share this openly on here because I feel like it's safe it's a safe place to say this but I've had I've realized that I've had to watch what I say because I don't want to give unsolicited advice where it's not Mm -hmm. welcome, you know, like I don't want to be that person that's constantly the coach. Like, let's unpack that, you know, like it's so not my personality at all. I love to have fun, be silly. And I can, I find myself making things a little bit more serious just now that I'm more Uh aware, you know, and do you have like any tips around that or, cause I'm sure some of our listeners feel the same way. If they're listening to this podcast, they probably have gone through healing, you know, some sort. Yeah. So it's not our job to heal others. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not our job to give unsolicited advice. But what we can do is we can inspire others to heal through our journey. And so that's really where the magic happens is just showing people that, you know, because they'll see. It might take a little bit of time for them to notice the change, but they'll see. So for instance, uh, my mom, she has not really embarked on much of a healing journey. And she has had some really serious and extensive childhood trauma. And it's for the most part, I'm going to say unhealed. 
And, um, but she sees me and she doesn't know my whole story because you know, I don't share everything with her about my childhood trauma because she already carries enough mom guilt as it is. And I don't need her carrying anymore, which is so kind of you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a lit, it is, but it's also a little selfish because I don't want to listen to her apologize for the millionth time and to say like, Oh, I did, you know, I'm all good. Like we're, yeah. we're good mom. We're moving on. It's okay. Like, yeah, please don't say sorry one more time. It's all, all good. All good. And so, but now she sees me using crystals. And so it's funny. She's actually driving home from being in Arizona for the winter. She's, sent me a text and she was like, I want to buy some crystals. I'm like, okay, do not buy anything without me. I will take you crystal shopping when you get home. Cause she's funny. She'll, if it looks like a crystal, she's like, Oh, there's a crystal. I'm going to buy it. And it's like, you just bought a piece of glass. Like you bought a fake crystal. <laughs> so, so that's how you can inspire others is just to really show up, you know, and share as much or as little of your healing journey as you want. But just people will see the change. And so we'll inspire them to take the change because they'll see that, oh my gosh, you seem so happy now or so free or so light or um, you're showing up more authentically. You're sharing more of you. And oh my gosh, I want that too because life is short. So I'm going to take whatever step I need to take to make that start, that journey start. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's great advice. Cause the leading by example does impact like when I can do it and not give unsolicited advice. Don't mm-hmm. I really have gotten good at it. Like I just observe I've become yes. like, you know, I just take a different role when I feel that emotion arise. Cause it's not like a trigger. It's more like sad. Like I just feel mm-hmm. sad for them. I'll, yeah. I think the leading by example, like once I've been able to really take on that role, like it does impact so much faster. Like the analogy that I give sometime on the podcast is like when you overfill your cup, like it literally flows into everyone else just naturally. And they pick up on it. Like the way you interact with them changes and whether they feel weird about it or not, I've had to learn like, well, that's just me like setting a boundary and that's going to make me feel better. And we're energetic beings. So when you've done your work, your energy changes and they can feel that. And sometimes it's like um, opposites attract, but sometimes that also repels. So sometimes people feel that good energy and they want to be around them. They want to absorb that. But sometimes your good energy makes them feel uncomfortable about their bad energy and then they need to retreat. And that's okay too. You know, I used to take it personally personally, but I don't anymore because I understand now that my energy is only what's in my control and that's what's in their control. And if they need that break again, it's not about me, it's about them. And so, um, so I've let go of like, Oh my God, what if they don't like me or did I offend them? Like, Nope, you're just being you and your energy is not feeling aligned with them right now. And that's okay. If they come back amazing, if they don't, then they're not meant for you any longer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so well said. It's, it really is like a practice. Like it's like a journey of understanding that people will come and go, you know, and that's okay. And we can't control it. Like it's all around control teachings for me. Um, and that's really why I wanted to have you on too. Cause I think that our journeys similarly align in that it's like, I would try to like people please or like, you know, literally morph my identity to all these yes. 
relationships, friendships, just become a different person. And then, you know, like 20 days in, three months in, I'm resenting them because I feel like I've changed me, you know? Because guess what? It's still not enough. And you're like, what is going on here? I've done this, 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 and this, and this, and it's not enough. And it's like, okay, again, it wasn't about you. Like, and so, yeah. And so it's like, well, it is, it's like, okay, so you're doing all of those things for the wrong reason. Like you're not doing those things from a place of genuine want. You're doing those from a place of obligation. So, you know, so then it's like, you need to focus on that and look at why are you acting out of obligation rather than from a place of desire or acceptance. Yeah. Oh, but I used to run the pattern of people pleasing. Like it was my full-time, part-time hobby. Like, (laughs) totally. And can you tell us more like about your experience with that? Was it challenging when you separated? Because so many of our listeners, like they fall into that highly sensitive person, people pleasing identity, which is like literally me, (laughs) us, I feel like, which I hope you feel okay with me saying it, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah. Because the more we take back the power of it too, it's like that language doesn't have to be negative either. I feel like it just shows us a shadow part or a darker part of ourselves that we just need to like really cater to, you know, and give it to ourselves first because then in that love we can re-navigate. But tell us more about like what that was like when you really started to become aware how much of your people pleasing was playing out, you know? Yeah. So it was like this realization that I was holding on to jobs that I didn't want because I was so worried about the other, like disappointing the person, leaving them without help. Like I thought that was my responsibility to worry about how they were going to fill my role and what if they couldn't fill it. And it's like, I know I'm great, but I'm not that great. You know, it's like, wow, can that's pretty big headed of you to think that you are this indispensable person and that without you, they're not going to be able to go on. But that was the story I told myself was that I couldn't leave the job. I couldn't, same thing. Like I just couldn't because that would be abandoning them and they wouldn't like me anymore. And they would think poorly of me and they would look at me as an idiot or a failure. And that was just, I, I could not live with that. Yeah. Yeah that would have been devastating to have someone think that way of me. Um, But I think that goes back to childhood, but to high school when I was in the abusive relationship for five and a half years, you know, it was always no one will ever want you. No one will ever love you. You'll never, you'll be alone. You know, without me, you have no one. And so it was kind of like that belief of, okay, if I don't stick through then I'll never get another job. I won't have any friends. This person will not give me a good referral or a good recommendation. Mm. I'm going to be alone. They're going to hate me. And that was the last thing I wanted. And so that was why I, I did all that people pleasing because I wanted people. And it also came back to validation. I was looking for someone to be like, Oh my God, Kim, you're amazing. Oh my God. We couldn't have done this without you. You're so special. What a blessing you are to us. Oh, what will we do without you? And oftentimes that didn't come either. So then I was in this awful place feeling stuck because I didn't want to disappoint anyone, but also feeling awful because I wasn't getting the validation that I was seeking. So it was just not good all the way around. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. And thank you so much for sharing your experience because I know so many of our listeners have experienced different domestic violence issues or come across certain people in their lives. And it's challenging to navigate navigate those situations when you're being reiterated all of these beliefs that you probably already had before, you know, come into the relationship with. And then someone brings them to life. It's like, is this real life? Like, is this reality? You know? Um, and it's so, I can't even imagine like on top of like the trauma you know just having to break so many of those beliefs apart but now that you have you're so clear on it you know and I think that that's the beauty in all of it in the journey of the healing right yeah is the clarity because then it gives you the tools to make a choice it gives you the tools to put boundaries in place so now I can say to myself okay You don't, A, have to respond to someone's request right away. You don't, A, have to respond to someone's text message, phone call, email right away. Um, They're not going to, it is what it is. You know, everybody's busy. So if they think some kind of way about it, oh, well. Yeah. Um, And and so like to give myself time to pause and say, okay, is this something that's going to bring me joy? Mm -hmm. Is this something that's going to make me happy? Is this something that I'm going to enjoy doing? Or is this something where I'm going to be like, oh God, I should have said no. Why did I say yes? And then I just say, you know, thank you so much for thinking of me. Maybe next time or, oh, I'm so sorry. I just don't have the availability to help with it this time or Um, Nope, that's not really gonna, that's not something I can do for you. But is there another way that I can give you a hand? Or I offer like, oh, I'm not available to come in. But can I bring in like, can I bring the snack? Or can I pick up your photocopies? Because I'm like, I can do that in my own time in my own day without committing a huge amount of time to something that I don't really want to do. So there's such beauty in the clarity because I understand now why I did those things. And it allows me to have a choice in how I move forward. Oh my gosh. That's so, it's great to hear. Cause I'm still navigating that portion of what is actually making me happy versus like what I feel like I have to be doing. And that's a, that's been a really hard belief for me to unpack. My aunt and my mom were just on vacation together. And we were actually talking about this because it's something they struggle with a lot and they just need some mm-hmm. advice around it, you know, and it's nothing to be ashamed of like we were all talking about it openly and it was a safe space for us to share with one another but I had realized like through some of my journey I had healed some of that portion you know and now it's kind of like the next level of understanding because it's it really is like you dig deeper 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 and you come up to the beliefs that at least I feel this way that I've fixed at a different level, yeah. you know, it's just like a deeper yes. belief that reiterates itself yes. again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the onion, you know, you keep peeling back layers and it's like, you never get to the center of the onion, the core of the onion. It's just like so many layers. And so, and that's the other piece of the puzzle too, is just recognizing that it's a journey. There are so many layers. It's multifaceted. Some days it's going to feel easy. Some days it's going to feel hard. Some days you're going to have this like huge aha moment. And then there could be weeks or months where you have no aha moments. There could be a year with no aha moment. And that's just all part of the journey. And, but it's really about allowing yourself the space to, to dissect the layers because oftentimes we get, you know, especially as entrepreneurs, 
and solopreneurs, there are so many things that we have to manage on our own or we think we do. And so that can be all consuming. I mean, a whole day can go by where I'm like, oh my God, I didn't do any laundry today. Yeah. <laughs> because I spent the entire day doing all of these tasks on my business. And just knowing that that's okay. You can't get stuck in doing that all the time, but each day is going to look different and giving yourself to the space to do, think, have, need, whatever it is that's going to get you through, just giving yourself the space to do it, but also being willing to ask for help or, or even just acknowledging that maybe help is needed, whether it's a business task, it's a task with laundry. So I have a mom friend who just hired my cleaning lady and she's been saying for two years that she was going to hire a cleaning lady, but she always had a reason as to why, Oh, I don't have enough money saved. Oh, I have to hit this goal. And then she, we were at lunch last week and she was like, you know what? Summer is coming. I don't have time to be like the mom summer camp and clean and laundry and do the meal planning and all of those things. She was like, screw it. Like we're not going on vacation this year. So all my vacation money is going to go to the cleaning lady for the summer. And so she was like, I'm just planning for summer right now, but hopefully it will continue. I'll keep meeting my revenue goals and then I'll be able to keep her on in the fall. And then in the fall will lead to spring and then back to summer. And so she's like, I, she just had to pull the plug in. She just had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And like, is that kind of what you were saying about healing? Like, you really just have to go all in like, and you need to ask for help. I think that that's so true. Like even with Sean, like in a portion of our relationship, cause I'm an only child, I am not used to like leaning on other people. Like it was just me, you know, I'm like my mom. So for most of my life. And that was really hard for me. Like now he'll even be like, well, why don't you just like ask me to like take out the trash or like buy the groceries? I'm like, I don't ask people to do that. You know, it's like my business. I don't have a problem with it, but like, then it was another layer, you know, I had gotten down to, and he's like begging me. So now he just knows like, Oh, well, I'll just like leave $20, you know, when I'm going somewhere and he's really sweet about it. I'm so lucky to have someone that's like, yeah. your is so great with you and so tender and loving. Like that's another thing that I think is so important is you do start to attract these people as you heal and as you become more aware, you know, of what's happening. And then they also know how to support you through your journey because you're able to communicate it better, you know, of like yes. what navigating through. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's interesting things. Well, patterns will show up. The same lessons will show up multiple times because it takes sometimes more than one time to learn the lesson as you peel the onion, but you really have to go all in. And so that's where the real magic happens and the real results pop up is like, cause if we're just dipping a toe in, we're not getting the full effect. So like as painful and as awful as it is, like you literally just have to jump in full, like full on jump in and be okay with asking for help or yeah. just saying like, Hey, it's a rough day. So I just need some space. And especially, and I too was an only child at my dad's house. I was 13. So I totally get it. My mom's house. I was the only girl. I had step siblings and a half brother, but I was the only girl and I was like the middle child, so to speak. So I get it. It's hard to lean on and ask for help. Um, but it's so needed because, uh, when we try to take it all on ourselves, 
it just depletes us that much faster. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Like you're exhausted and starting a business is exhausting to begin with, Mm -hmm. but you need support, you know? And so tell us more about like, how can our listeners get in touch with you? How can they learn about this work that you do with women and how to navigate these different things. Cause I think you have so many skills, like exactly how you took us through your path. And I know our listeners need support with this. So tell me more about how they can get in touch and what you can do to help them. Yeah. So, um, so I do one-on-one coaching and so it's eight sessions. It breaks out to be about three months, but we really, you know, it's awful to go through the stuff the first time. So we really don't dig, dig deep, like, staying stuck in that story, but we get just enough information to recognize patterns and being able to break those unserving patterns to create new ones. So that way we can move forward with more ease, more compassion and more understanding, but also with more authenticity and like really tapping into who we are instead of hiding behind the mask that kept us safe for so long. So I hang out on Instagram and um, I just started dipping a toe into TikTok Still yeah. not on board with TikTok, but I'm trying. And so, um, and I'm also on Facebook. So Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And then I always have my website. Um, so yeah, those are the places where I hang out the most. And then I just um, started offering a crystal class for basically beginners, for anyone who maybe has a couple crystals or they want to get crystals, but they really don't know how to shop for them. They don't know how to care for them. They don't know how to use them. So that's this month, a couple days. So yeah, so good things happening. So fun. And we'll have all the links below too. So you guys can just click below um, in the show notes for Kim's information and get in touch with her email, DM her, ask her questions about her crystal class. She has so many things. We didn't even really touch on the crystal aspect of this episode because we got so into other topics, but sometimes that's just the way it goes. So definitely reach out. I'm a new crystal user. I have interviewed one other person who had crystal knowledge, but it was a long time ago now. And I just kind of am dipping my toes in them still. So I will definitely be attending at least one of these crystal workshops because I need support on how to cleanse them. It's very complex. Like once you get into it of how you want to use them and there's so many things you can do, you know, yeah, cleansing, it's charging, it's activating. So someone who participated in my class last Monday, she was like, oh, no wonder it's not working. She was like, because I've never cleansed it. I never charged it and I never activated it. I'm like, well, there's the problem. Yeah. She was like, I thought you just buy it and that's it. That's literally what I've been doing. So I can't (laughs) wait to go because it is confusing. Like everybody's like all these crystals hold all these powers, but nobody explains anything. So then you think you can just put it in your office and it's going to like be magical, but that makes a lot of sense why you have to cleanse and activate plus recharge. I'm so excited. And yeah. we'll have the dates listed below too. So this will come out before the next workshop. So make sure you guys check that out on Kim's website. And like I said, DM her with any questions. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm always open for DM. So no worries. Yay. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kim. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. And I can't wait for you to come on my podcast in a couple of weeks. Oh yes. I can't wait. That's another thing too. We'll have that Kim's podcast listed below and tell us a quick overview of what your podcast is about. So if they want to tune in. 
Yeah. So it's the, it's my mom's struggle. So it's the, in the thick of the struggle of therapy, I read my journal entries from six years ago and I share what I wish I had known then and what I know now, you know, trying to balance being a stay at home mom, leaving jobs that I didn't want to have all of those things. And then um, I haven't even gotten to the journal entries yet of starting entrepreneurship. Uh, we're still like way back in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So all good things. It's very much the mom struggle and trying to navigate life. And really it's funny because I have some listeners who are not moms, but they're like, Oh my God, I totally relate because I have the same struggle. I yeah. just don't have the kid aspect, but it's like the struggle of people pleasing. It's the struggle of perfectionism. It's the struggle of not feeling enough. It's the struggle of, you know, trying to manage all the things and feeling like you're always dropping something and missing something. So Oh my gosh. I love that. Our listeners will definitely, I hope you guys tune into that because it's so fun and I'll be on Kim's show too. So I'll be sharing all of that on Instagram as it comes out, but thank you so much, Kim, for coming on. And I just love this conversation. Yes. Thank you. It was, it's always a pleasure. I could chat with you forever and ever. Oh, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye Caitlin. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the end in mind. I would like to remind you all, if you haven't yet reached out to me on Instagram, we are at Meraki underscore media underscore management. It will be in our show notes as well. If you would like to reach out to me, we always offer free coaching through Instagram based around our Instagram training and our business Instagram practices. If you need any type of support, please do not hesitate to reach out to me there. And we also offer several different types of consulting and training packages if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth tips. So thank you all for listening in. And of course, I want you all to keep the end in mind as you continue with your day and or work week. Have a great week and I will see you all next time.